prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. My name is Xander and today I have with me... Craig WK. From the depths of Castlevania himself, or itself. Are you Castlevania? I can be if I want. Perfect. Uh, So spoilers, I guess. We're talking about Castlevania today. But not just any Castlevania. Symphony of the Night. Yeah, Symphony of the Night was released by Konami for the PlayStation 1 on October 2nd, 1997. This uh, action-adventure RPG exploratory platformer depicts the battle of Dracula's son, Alucard, as he attempts to prevent the resurrection of his father. Now, did you know that Alucard is Dracula backwards? (laughs) You know, uh, it is such a cliché. Uh, to have someone related to Dracula, you know, especially his son, be named Alucard. Uh, we have uh, the series Helsing, mm-hmm. Alucard. Uh, there were uh, old Dracula movies in the 50s that played on the fact that Alucard was just Dracula backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it, there, there is a lot of series that just think this is the most clever thing ever. You know... It's it's strange that we always hear so much about Alucard, but we never hear anything about Alucalb, which is the son of Blackula, of course. Uh, no, we don't, do we? No. Did, that's, that's an avenue that's never been explored. That should be, honestly. Alucalb. Oh, it doesn't have the same kind of ring to it. Not quite. It's a shame. His life matters, though. I... <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Xander, where were you when you first played this game? Like, uh, what what was your first experience with this? Um, I remember a good friend of mine uh, would always go on about how good of a game it was, and I, I guess I didn't believe him. <laughs> uh huh. Because I had played a little bit of like in my younger days, I played a little bit of Castlevania, um, but it was never anything that really stood out to me. And this friend kind of he was more bordered on the on the goth kind of side, so like. He was really into like Nightmare Before Christmas and all the stereotypical like Halloweeny stuff. Like he loved horror movies and all these things. So I just kind of assumed like, oh, maybe this is just like a, a thing that he's into or he feels he needs to be into to fit into his, you know, his lot in life. Um, but then I, I had kind of played some of the older Castlevania games and I liked them. Uh, but then I made the mistake of playing the Nintendo 64 Castlevania games, which he was also excited about. Oh. And I think that kind of turned me off on Castlevania altogether. But uh, he lent me this game, and he's like, you seriously, it's really good. You have to try it out. Let me know what you think. So I borrowed it from him, and I fell in love with this game. Uh, it was it was the first, I aside from dabbling in the original Metroid and owning Metroid 2 on the Game Boy but never really figuring it out, this was probably my first of the Metroidvania-style games. And... It, it that kind of cemented it for me that this is one of the best games ever. Yeah, the it's interesting that uh, uh, essentially the the creators of this game looked at like the Castlevania series, and there wasn't a lot of replayability because people would finish the game and it would end up in like used game bins. Essentially, people mm-hmm. would sell it, whatever, and so the the team. Uh, which would eventually be led by Koji Igarashi, uh, you know, decided that they wanted to make something that was a little more involved, a little bit more to it, uh, which is how we got this game. Uh, which, uh, Xander, are you familiar with why Koji Igarashi was given the position of uh, director? I'm not. He lucked out. The, the, uh, the original director, uh, Toru Hagiuhara, was promoted to the head of the division. And mm-hmm. so basically he was just like, uh, Igarachi, finish this. <laughs> and he became the, the, the father of uh, Metroidvania. Uh, but honestly, if uh, Hagihara had stayed in the position, Igarachi may have eventually taken over, but I don't know if it would have been him as the father of Castlevania or right. Metroidvania. 
So was it pretty well that style when he, as he started making it, or did did uh, Igarashi kind of give this its form? I think, and I don't know for sure. I don't know a lot of the fine details of the development mm-hmm. of the game, but apparently the game was originally going to be on another system. And I would have you guess it, but you'll never guess it in a million years because the system, despite Chops' uh, uh, insistence, uh, was dumb. It's a 32X. Well, I'll be danged. You knew it. <laughs> I was too big of a clue. Uh, yeah, the 32X originally supposedly was going to get this game. I don't think a 32X Castlevania would have necessarily been as grand as Ca- uh, Symphony of the Night was. No, probably uh, not. I think it was just going to be a pretty direct sequel from Bloodlines, the Sega Genesis Castlevania Mm -hmm. uh, game, you know? So I I assume what happened is they got, you know, they put a little bit of work into it and then just were like, eh, nah, you know, PlayStation time. Mm -hmm. And then just probably mostly redid it, except for maybe like, you know, assets to the game. Uh, They might have used some sprite art and stuff because, uh, uh, you know, the game itself is, you know, it's sprite art. There, there's yeah. not any 3D graphics like the, the rest of the game industry was was kind of pushing into. And so, Xander, this game is super dated then, right? Because it didn't have 3D graphics like all the others of its time? Well, it did have some 3D graphics. You had the, the books that would pop out at you in the library. You would have the, the coffin that would show up as you save your game, there were, there were some things that used it, but yeah, it's pretty dated and awful. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Hmm. I keep waiting for the, for the <laughs> signature Craig snapback at like me giving me a, me giving a dumb answer. Uh, and it's just lingering. <laughs> you're right. It is. Uh, because I, I'm imagining strangling you and it's just, <laughs> I, I can't get that point across while we're, you know, remotely, uh, recording. Right. Uh, yeah. So this game is gorgeous. No, the it, sprite is. it art, absolutely is. The sprite art is beautiful. And the thing is, is all of the games that were coming out around this time, all in 3d, all polygonal, mostly all look like crap mm-hmm. and so you know uh you have this you know really really gorgeous game and uh another uh, i kind of want to shout out one of the artists on the game not necessarily because i think it was fitting for the game but i i guess now it kind of is in hindsight just because it sort of dominated the series moving forward uh one of the main artists for the game uh, is a woman named ayami kojima and uh, do you know what she was in charge of? Um, art? Right. Uh, specifically, <laughs> though, she was in charge of the character portraits. Ah. She's the reason why everyone looks so dang pretty. Right. She, uh, uh, she did everybody in a what's called a bishonen style, which is where they're like, really exaggerated to be like pretty boys and stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. really, uh, uh, a really distinct style. And so I, like when I was doing research, I thought, oh, that must be her thing. Like that must be like just what she does where she, you know, maybe she even does manga, maybe even some that I've read or something. Right. Kind of like when you think of uh, Yoshitaka Amano's artwork, you're like, oh, that's just his style. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's sort of similar to that Bishonen style where it's very, very, I, I, you know, like even the, the, the males are drawn, not necessarily effeminately, but almost, you know, yeah, very gracefully, you know, yeah, but I, no, her uh, favorite style of art and manga is shonen, things like One Piece and Dragon Ball. I don't understand. Why did she make everyone so pretty? Well, I think it kind of fits in with that classic, uh, I mean, Castlevania does have kind of a timeless feel to it because it's set back in in whatever time period and I think that's kind of like that art style that you see in the in those classic portraits as like very fine uh finely illustrated people you know like um not really pointing out their flaws and stuff like that hey you know and actually you I think you might be onto something it just dawned on me uh that uh Yoshitaka Amano, mm-hmm. he did the art 
for all of the uh, Vampire Hunter D books. Right, and yeah. And did the movie. Well, I, I don't think he was, like, the main Right, but his art styles yeah. influenced. Right, because he was the one who did all the cover arts for the book series of Vampire Hunter D. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you might be onto something with just Vampire Hunter D and Yoshitaka Amato. I think that she was emulating that now that we're talking about it. Yeah, I am really smart and insightful, Craig. Xander, you are so <laughs> smart and insightful, and I barely want to strangle you anymore. Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she she did this art style and it's funny because she was now the artist for the Castlevania games pretty much moving forward. Like all of the DS and uh, GBA games that had mm-hmm. the same style, she used her artwork. Like if you look at uh, Aria of Sorrow, Soma and all of those characters are very, very be shown and very pretty, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's, I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting uh, thing that kind of also started with uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the gameplay of of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah, so this game um, kind of breaks the uh, the Castlevania mold, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've played the games in uh, in su- in a successive order. Uh, yeah. Uh- you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, this is the first one that had like RPG elements. Uh, the mm-hmm. one before this was Rondo of Blood. Right, which was still like a, a stage, like you you go into the stages, there wasn't really much of like backtracking and improving your skills so that you could access new areas and kind of stuff like that. Right, yeah, there were alternate paths in Rondo of Blood, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, not, not nothing like Symphony of the Night. This was yeah. the first of its kind for the Castlevania series. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting in the sense that, like, you have a, a sword and you can get different types of weapons that you attack with. Um, I think they all kind of look the same in this game, whereas in something like Aria of Sorrows and stuff like that, where you have an axe that, like, comes over your head and and all of that. Um, but it, it when you think Castlevania, you initially think, like, whips, but then you can have all sorts of uh, weapons in here. And then um, healing items and, and spells. Alucard has spells. Like, it's all it's all kinds of crazy. Yeah, uh, it, it is interesting. I was almost going to say it was the first game that did different weapons, but technically there are two other Castlevania games I know of that did different weapons. Yeah, you have uh, Bloodlines, where you uh-huh. have uh, Eric Lacard, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think that was his name. And, and then Castlevania Three had yes. different characters. Yep. You know, so not everyone was using the whip there. And Alucard was one of those characters, right? Yes, he was. Alucard was one of them. Same with, uh, I believe it's... Uh, Trevor Belmont I could be mistaken um and there's actually a lot of ties I think a lot of those characters come back in Symphony of the Night um Grant Dynasty is one of them he's he was like the thief and like through uh knives and stuff oh yeah and the the female character escapes me I can't remember her name she pops back in in this one though right yeah I believe I think there's a and now it's been a, a minute since I've played through the game in its entirety but I believe there is a um Almost like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Continuity? Coliseum kind of thing, where you're like going through and fighting different things, and that's where you have to fight the the protagonist from Castlevania 3. Is it, I, because I, the, uh, the previous game in the series is Rondo of Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, uh, uh, isn't that Richter Belmont? Yes, that's Richter Belmont in, in Rondo of Blood, but I believe in Castlevania 3, and I'll look it up now just to make sure I'm not... In, in. Oh, in 3 is Trevor. Yes. Okay, because I, yeah, I think the Belmont that's in Symphony in, of the in, Night... Yeah, at the beginning of your... De- it's definitely Richter. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Yeah, 100% is Richter. Um, uh, let me look up Castlevania 3 protagonist. Oh, sure. Uh, while you're doing that, I can uh, uh, yep, briefly Trevor C. Mention- Belmont. What's that? Trevor C. Belmont. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But I also, uh, as a quick side note while we're talking about Belmonts, the opening of Symphony of the Night is the ending Mm -hmm. to... uh, Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood. I was about to say the Japanese name, Chino Rondo, and I was like, wait, no, that's (laughs) not it. Uh, I got the TurboGrafx Mini, uh, and that has that on there, and it's Chino Rondo. That's why it keeps popping in my head. 
But yeah, the ending to that game is the opening to Symphony of the Night. And the weirdest thing is, is America didn't get that game. So we didn't know the relevancy of what we were watching as right. that happened. That's like a, it's like having a flashback episode as, as your first episode or something. Like, what why are, are we why walking? Are we looking, exactly, <laughs> why are we, why are we walking, walking like this? I. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the to get back to the gameplay, uh, you yeah you have different weapons you can equip. I, uh, you can the one of the biggest things to me is that you can level up your character. Like if you get to an area that's kind of kicking your butt and the monsters do too much damage, mm-hmm. just level up for a while and then you're gonna plow through it and you know you'll be fine. Yep. It's uh uh it's honestly I feel like Symphony of the Night is. Maybe not the most accessible Castlevania necessarily. Certainly not by now with all the other Castlevanias out there since mm-hmm. the series kept going. Uh, but certainly for its time, I think Symphony of the Night was the most accessible because you didn't have any more pits that could instantly kill you. Right. When you fell into a hole, you just went down a floor. Right. You know? Uh, you could level up. So if you weren't that great at Castlevania games and maybe you couldn't fight bosses very well or something or figure out the mechanics is especially great, you could just level grind it to the point where, well, it doesn't really matter. The bosses can't hurt you that bad anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I thought that was uh, uh, a really interesting approach in their kind of, uh, uh, you know, game design. And it's funny because, you know, when we think back to, to older games, even like the PlayStation era, you know, the, the first gut reaction is like, oh, no, they didn't hold our hands or anything. But Symphony of the Night almost does to a degree from a certain point of view just for the fact that, you know, it, it removes the things that were frustrating from the Castlevania series prior to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and- there's not much instant death stuff, uh, if any. Uh, you can level grind. You can, you know, uh, get more and more powerful to the point where when you do go back to earlier levels, well, hey, now I have Basamune or Excalibur or whatever weapon I get. Now nothing can touch me back then, you know. But at the same time, you you start you start the game, like you said, with uh, the end of Rondo of Blood where you're playing as Richter and he has a vastly different play style to Alucard. And when you first get Alucard, he's Alucard like he has his weapons he has his shield he has all of his equipment and then that gets stripped away from you right at the beginning because death is a jerk yes it's like oh you you kind of like how he plays cool we're just gonna dumb you down real quick rip you of all your powers and you get to start over have fun with that also I'm death I'm a jerk see ya (laughs) yeah I think death is a jerk in every Castlevania game except for the second one I I don't I don't think I've ever finished the second one to be completely honest with you but yeah typically death is scarier than usually the final bosses in castlevania games <laughs> yeah he is uh oh by the way a uh, spoiler for uh, castlevania 2 if i'm not mistaken you could just walk through the the other side of the battle screen is an open door you don't have to fight death at the end i think you just walk through the room at sight start to rain down and then that's it are you saying it's possible to escape your destiny I in that game it is, uh, but usually no, you cannot escape your destiny. Fair enough. I uh, yeah, so I uh, so that's kind of the general premise of the game. And like you said earlier, Xander, you know you can kind of run around, you get new abilities, you can backtrack, unlock new areas. You know you get double jumps, turn into a bat. Uh, what else can you get in the game? Um. I mean, different shields. You can you can combine items that have different effects. So there's like a shield that can like heal you. I think again, it's been a lot. There there are optimized runs in this where they just they are able to to really kind of break the system and and put together some really heinous uh, setups. But I'm pretty sure there's like a, a an item that will just either heal you or just like gives you insane power. I honestly don't remember which. You can also, what, turn into mist? Bats? Oh, yes. Turn into mist, turn into a wolf, turn into a bat. Sorry, I, I was try- I was, I didn't realize you were asking for the spells. Uh, you can throw your three fireballs. You can throw your uh, the two larger fireballs. Uh, you can soul steal, which just kind of rips energy from all the enemies on the screen. Uh, all kinds of different spells you, that you can... Uh, you, you, what's funny is you can use them right away if you know how to, you, if you know how to you perform them. And they're done by inputs 
like a fighting game kind of setup. So oh, like, really? Yeah. So like the fireball, I think is like up and then quarter circle forward, and then you hit the the attack button, and then you uh, you do that, um, and then like soul steals like a quarter circle back or a full half circle back or something like that. But yeah, those are available to you anytime. And if you look in your spells, they're all question marks until you perform them for the first time. <laughs> That's great. So if you're like button mashing, like scared to death, you're going to die, you might accidentally pull off a spell and be like, oh, wait, how did I do that? And then you can look at the spells. Yeah, that's that's a really neat feature. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, Or you could just go through without ever using the spells at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a game that gives you a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, did you, have you actually played through Symphony of the Night? Not all the way through, to be honest okay, with you. That's what I thought, because I know you've played through some of the later Castlevania games and have really enjoyed those. I couldn't remember if you've ever completely gone through this. Not all the way. Uh, I didn't get Castlevania Symphony of the Night until I got the PSTV. Nice. The the little, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, basically a Vita emulator or whatever, because mm-hmm. uh, then I had access to the PlayStation Network store or whatever, PSN store. And I could download, you know, uh, uh, some of the older PlayStation games. Uh, but yeah, until I had that, I didn't, you know, I didn't have access to the game really. And uh, to be honest, uh, this is sacrilegious because a lot of people hail this as the best Castlevania game ever made and one of the greatest games ever. I think Aria of Sorrow's better. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think this. I'm, it's one of those things like this game was such a uh, monumental accomplishment as far as uh, just kind of getting this play style down, it being good, you know, and memorable with great music and all that stuff. But I think it's been done better, which as you say, like Aria Sorrows, Dawn of Sorrows, some of the later uh, DS games, I think improve on, on this, this format. But I think this is kind of the, the big one kind of like, and I hate to compare it, but, kind of like Final Fantasy 7. Like Final Fantasy 7 isn't a is it the game everybody says it is, I guess? And maybe that's just my jaded Final Fantasy fan in me. Like I don't think 7 is the end all be all best Final Fantasy game, but I no, I, I understand I, the appeal. Like I this was the first, you know, that was the first big 3D RPG that a lot of people played and I feel like this is the first great uh, metroidvania style people game and so they, it has a lot of nostalgia but like you said i think some of the later games did it better yeah absolutely i i think that's a good uh a good example with final fantasy 7 where it's like yeah okay it's a fine game but it has issues mm-hmm. you know i i i think the the one of the things that kind of turns me off from uh symphony of the night which i i guess is a little bit of a spoiler but the game's old enough now is the fact that, you know, the game is is pretty long because they invert the castle? Like, is that is that, like, great game design? That they just flip it upside down and now it's suddenly, like, this whole new area to explore? It's the same area! Dude, that's one of my favorite parts about this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love the idea of the inverted castle. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's not, like, a groundbreaking thing, but I love it. I think it's such a cool... T- the literal twist on on the map as you're familiar with it and then it's flipped upside down and you have to figure it all out again and there are now stronger enemies and and things like still work the way they normally would but everything for you is up i just it's such a cool thing for me i just i don't know why i like it so much i just i really thought that was one of the coolest parts of this game uh i i don't be wrong i'm not gonna say that it can't be fun I just think that, like, that doesn't necessarily make for great game design, you know? <laughs> well, it hadn't been done before, so, you know. <sighs> That's fair, but so, it's also not been done much since, and maybe there's a reason for that. Sometimes the simplest things are the most genius. Uh, uh, I don't know. What's also really cool is you can play as Richter if you've completed one playthrough of the game as Alucard with at least 180% exploration. Once you've done that, you can start a new game and in the slave slot, uh, save slot, enter the name Richter, and then you are playing as Richter. In the Xbox 360 version, there is a um, achievement for playing through the game, including the inverted castle, as Richter. Uh, there's not like a specific amount of time that you can do it, but I know after I went through and played all as Alucard, um, 
I was like, how in the world am I going to do this? And then there's a way to, to finish it in like 10 minutes or less or something crazy like that because really? of movement. Yeah, like if you think of uh, Smash Brothers as you play as Richter and, and you have that, like uh, your down A is your slide into that jump. Yeah, that yeah. gets you through a ton of the rooms. You can bypass a ton of stuff and you can uh, use it. It's like he's got like a, a rising jump that he does as well. So you can kind of just run right, right through the castle. Because unlike <laughs> with, with uh, Alucard where you have to unlock all your abilities as you go through to enter these new areas, as Richter, you, you just have them. <laughs> oh that's pretty cool at least yeah uh, so it's i think you have to figure out um uh you get the holy holy water item and that will just let you rip through any bosses that you may come through uh yeah so you, you just have to get to to shaft who is the main the villain of this game to uh because you're trying to stop dracula from being revived and shaft is the one who's doing it it's yeah, such it's, an it's crazy it's such an interesting choice of name for the the, yeah, the high priest. Mm-hmm. It's weird that it's like the, you know, like Shaft, the old TV show. Right. And it's this like crusty old priest. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really weird to me. I Xander, I I did want to briefly mention I uh, the I uh, how do I put this delicately? Look, we can't talk oh. about Symphony of the Night without talking about the voice acting. <laughs> it's bad. It's pretty bad. But it's so bad that it's kind of good. It's so fun, but yeah, it's really crummy. Yeah, if you're if you're looking at it objectively, this is pretty awful voice acting. But it's kind of like it's it's endearing almost. Like they've they recently re-released Symphony of the Night as part of uh some some collection one of the castlevania collections and they redid the voice acting i've not heard the new voice acting but i can tell you i hate it because it's not the original voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like as much as i love the resident evil remake that came out for gamecube and is now kind of the standard resident evil i miss the original playstation voice acting because i just that's what i experienced and that's what i i loved you were almost a chill sandwich <laughs> you're right um We've on the show multiple times gone through the opening of Castlevania between the two of us. Why don't we just sit back and listen to it real quick? Yeah. Just so anybody who hasn't played Symphony of the Night can understand that it's not as good as when we do it. Die, monster. You don't belong in this world. It was not by my hand that I'm once again given flesh. I was called here by humans who wished to pay me tribute. Tribute? You steal men's souls and make them your slaves. Perhaps the same could be said of all religions. Your words are as empty as your soul. Mankind ill needs a savior such as you. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. But enough talk. How about you? I don't know what can be said about it. (laughs) Oh, Oh boy. I don't think Dracula is that bad. <laughs> Dracula's not that bad. Richter definitely is. Richter's is real bad. And I think the other thing that hurts it is the weird um echo that's there and the no music underneath. Like it's just a strange like cause the music in Castlevania Symphony of the Night is so good. And you Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Amazing just like guitar, like hard rock intro. And it stops dead in its tracks. So you can hear, die, monster. <laughs> like, it's just so, just some weird jump, you know? It, it, yeah, it absolutely is. The, the voice actor for Dracula is, yeah, not that terrible or anything. Uh, the, the lines themselves are a little hokey uh, and feel clunky. Like, not even necessarily like, oh, they're going for an old style of speech clunky, but just like, who did anyone ever talk like that, ever? I don't know. But it's, it's, I can understand, like, probably the direction that was given is, this is the hero of this game. He is, he is virtuous. He is, you know, he's, he's on a mission from God to stop this, this undead monster. You give it your all. And the guy's like, Okay. 
and like puffs out his chest in the sound booth and, <laughs> and delivers those lines of die monster. <laughs> like, honestly, if I had to wager a guess, you want to know what I think the direction was? What's that? Uh, hey, Marty, it's a video game. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, just say you're, whatever. You're not wrong. Yeah, back then, voice acting in video games was pretty much predominantly always terrible. Let's hear a little bit of, of death and Alucard. Alucard, what is your business here? I've come to put an end to this. Still befriending mortals. I'll not ask you to return to our side, but I demand you cease your attack. I will not. You shall regret those words. We will meet again. Again. Death sounds great. <laughs> yeah, death isn't that bad. Uh, death almost reminds me of, uh, and I, maybe it's just sort of what people have to do when they voice a skeleton, but I feel like there's like almost a pinch of Skeletor to his voice. Yeah, I think. I mean, when you try to think of like, okay, this guy's a skull, so you're like, if you try to think of how would a skull sound, you try to pull your, your cheeks back as far as you can. Because, you know, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have that extra little echo. Alucard, however, is... Uh, Very deep. Yeah. Considering his character portrait is just so pretty, uh, I feel like the voice doesn't really match the character especially Not well. at all. Like, I mean, you see the, the, the picture of Alucard and, and you see this, like, pasty, pale dude, but it sounds like... I'm a really deep voice guy. That shouldn't be coming from Alucard. Yeah, it's it's real, real awkward. Uh, it yeah the 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 voice acting for the villains I think we're finding is not that bad, and the voice acting for the heroes is not especially great. Right. I th- I, if I'm not mistaken, Shaft has a pretty awful voice too, but I can't uh, I can't find that right away. I I guess I wouldn't be too surprised. You've defeated me, but all is not yet lost. The resurrection of Count Dracula is at hand. (laughs) Yeah, Shaft isn't very good either. No, that's maybe the worst yet. (sighs) I mean, I can also pull up like Maria and stuff like that, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I, I think we've... It's not likely to be much better than yeah, anything no, else. No, we'll just uh, we'll 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 stop talking about the bad sounds of this game, and we'll start talking about the good ones. What do you say? Yeah, let's uh, take a quick break. Uh, hear a word from a sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who were there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Boom-shakalaka! All right, so we've got a couple uh, songs were pulled up. Do you want to tell us about the composer of this game? Yeah, so uh, there's a, a lot to say here. So the music was composed by Michiru Yamane. Now, uh, Xander, there are quite a few games uh, uh, in this list that she's, you know, done that I know that you're going to be kind of excited about. And the first one, uh, this isn't the first game she worked on, but the first one that really came to mind as a, a, you know, having a pretty solid soundtrack and one that I knew you would also appreciate is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan for Game Boy. Now, I have only ever played Fall of the Foot Clan maybe once. Really? Was, yeah, Chops is the one who has the effect. I played the ah. NES games. Chops loves this game. I, I never had this, and I had one friend who owned it. And I never, I only played it like one or two times. Oh, dang. I got you guys mixed up. Yeah. Well, I apologize for the insult. I don't know if I accept it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, uh, Yamane also worked on Rocket Knight Adventures, all of the Sparkster games, and then <gasps> Castlevania Bloodlines, Harmony of Dissonance, Aria of Sorrow, Lament of Innocence, Dawn of Sorrow, Curse of Darkness, Portrait of Ruin, Order of Ecclesia, and the Bloodstained games. Mm-hmm. Both of them, as well as Suicoden 3 and 4. 
and Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Indeed. Which is a great soundtrack. Yeah. But the... it's kind of tricky because a lot of that is uh, is kind of repurposed old Monster Boy stuff. Right, or like yeah. Mon- Monster Boy slash Wonder Boy game. But anyway. Well, that's a conversation for another time, of course. It certainly is. Uh, but uh, Yamane's work is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Symphony of the Night is generally hailed as one of the best soundtracks in the Castlevania series. And listening to it, there's a reason why it's a contender. Like, it is mm-hmm. so good. Uh, also, uh, uh, she, she's been uh, gone on record as saying that as far as the classical composers that uh, inspired her the most, Bach is the one that did, like, you know, was the, the biggest to her. And I feel like that really shines through with that, like, gothic, dark, heavy mm-hmm. aesthetic of the Castlevania series music. Yeah. So we have uh, four songs chosen out here for you. Um, and I guess I'll have to, because I, the first one we have is your pick, which is Prologue. Mm-hmm. Now, is this, because this, I've not gone back and listened to, to all of these yet. Is this the song that plays when you play as Richter? Uh, I believe so, if I'm remembering right. Okay, let's take, take a listen to Prologue. <laughs> gets your blood pumping you know oh it's so good i love that song and i'm glad that you chose it uh because i know the rest of the songs are not very like heavy rock Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's a shame because there's so many like heavy rock songs in this game that are just fantastic and kind of fitting of that like spooky halloween kind of sound to it but uh the rest you kind of get to hear more of the classical style um so Let's go to uh, my first pick of the evening. Um, I say evening because we're recording at night, even though this is going to come out seven in the morning for everybody. <laughs> uh, this one it has long been like one of my all-time favorites of the soundtrack. It's one that when I did get the soundtrack, it's it's one that I would like listen to constantly. Um, and if I had to choose one song from Castlevania Symphony of the Night to listen to without hearing any of the others, this would probably be the one. This one's called Crystal Teardrop.
on its own, it could just be this incredible track without the the drums. But then the drums kick in and adds a whole other layer to this song. Yeah, there's I I love music and especially video game music to death. But I have I always have such a hard time putting into words my thoughts on the matter of every song. But I feel like there's something almost kind of almost a little funky to the song. Yeah, it has it's the it's the bass guitar that gives you that groove. Gro- then, yes, the groove to it is yes. is what I'm thinking. Uh, I love that. I I also really appreciate the 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 play on you know the the title of the song is what crystal teardrops mm-hmm. that like kind of like like water dropping sound that's coming from the back. I don't know how they're pulling that off exactly. Mm-hmm. There is just that sound effect put in or. Uh, yeah, I think it's just that sound effect, sound effect put in that's that's adding to that because this this takes place in the caverns underneath the castle, so you have that um, kind of eerie kind of sound, and I love the 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 choice to put such a a reverberation or echo on the drums as you're in a cavern. Like that's such a cool. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but I, I love it. It's, oh, I bet it was. Fantastic uh, song. Yamane knows what she's doing. Uh, the, like, it, the, the, this A soundtrack this good can't be a fluke. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. I remember, uh, what, what, what do we have next, Xander? Well, actually, I, I just wanted to say, I remember being yeah. at, at your place on a, on a Thursday night for, for D&D, and then me saying, like, oh, man, because I was looking at your collection, you've got all the Castlevania soundtracks. And they were kind of releasing sporadically. I was like, man, you're going to have to let me know when Symphony of the Night comes on. And you're like, Symphony of the Night just released. And I like stopped what I was doing. I was like, okay, whatever. I need to do this right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and ordered it. And that's, I love this soundtrack so much. Yeah. The, um, oh, go yeah. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the, 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 I, I collect video game vinyl. And yeah, the, that is one of the jewels of my collection, I would say, is Symphony mm-hmm. of the Night. The only, there are two songs on the soundtrack that are kind of stinkers. <laughs> and that's, and it's both of the songs that have vocals in them. <laughs> the ending song is so weird. It's so weird and out of place. And I the wind and it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. Well, I feel like that was kind of happening a lot on the PlayStation though, right? Because didn't yeah. Resident Evil have Resident like... E- the original Resident Evil had a very strange, like for the for the tone of the game, it was a very completely different sound <laughs> because you just have like this heavy rock guitar, you know, going on. There were no vocals, but it was a, still a sweet song. But it is like such a tonal shift from everything else. That's right. Yeah, I feel like a fair amount of games from that era did have like weird tonal changes for their ending songs. Yeah, it's like we we've got CD quality audio. We should we should do something with this. Absolutely, we should we should just totally shift everything and make it a very <laughs> awkward song. Um, so anyway, back to the good music. Uh, the next song we chose is your other choice, which is Lost Painting. great song from this game yeah i really enjoy the uh the like clanking of the wood i don't know exactly what instrument that would be yeah almost like but a like, glockenspiel yeah that like click i love it i really enjoy that song i uh, yeah it, it, that is it almost reminds me of the crystal teardrops in the sense that yeah it's not necessarily like that the rock and guitar from like the prologue mm-hmm. uh, and it's a little more fitting to like you know it's area and stuff yeah. like that very atmospheric yes 
Uh, Xander, what is uh, the next song on our list? So the last song we've chosen, I've got, I'm going to technically play it twice because there's a version of it, uh, the, a cover of it, if you will, that I just absolutely love. Uh, but this is the song Wood Carving Partita. <laughs> cut it short since there is another version i want to play yeah but i think it's it, the the orchestrated version of it is is really cool the harp scored uh the instrumentation to it is, is all really good uh but there's a a guy on youtube sam griffin guitar you can look him up on youtube he does a ton of uh classical guitar uh covers of video game music he does a version of this song and it's i think even more haunting than the original and it's just it's so good so uh let's, let's listen yeah Sam Griffin guitar on YouTube does a ton of different uh, classical guitar covers and they're all just, they're such beautiful sounding versions of these songs. Yeah. I like that the, uh, his version has uh, kind of like almost like flamenco style yeah. going on. Well, yeah. The classical guitar is, is kind of that, that style. It's a, uh, inspired by flamenco. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. I love that. But that's uh, that's all the songs that we chose. I mean, we could literally—I mean, the entire soundtrack could be played with the exception of those two weird songs. But <laughs> I mean, they're worth listening to for the sake of just hearing them. Yeah. But yeah, they're uh, the just so weird. I tell you what, though, uh, what uh, are your kind of final thoughts on Symphony of the Night? If you've not played a Metroidvania game before, and you kind of want to start with. Uh, a a good introduction i would say this uh this is a good one or super metroid i think those two are kind of the like if you have to experience one let it be this one um but just know that they get they continue to get better i guess that's a weird way of saying it <laughs> no yeah i i think that's a good way of looking at it, it it's you know something like symphony of the night might not be the best of all of the the metroidvania style castlevanias uh it's certainly not the worst by any stretch no no but yeah it's definitely worth looking into it's it's a phenomenal game amazing soundtrack it's fun uh the voice acting is fun uh the you know the well if you're playing a newer version you might you might luck out maybe the new new stuff is better i've not listened to it yet nor do i i don't really want to (laughs) I'm sure eventually yeah. I'll be forced to, and I'll just be nostalgic for my bad old voice acting. Yeah, probably. 
Uh, but yeah, the, the, the game is fairly accessible these days, aside from, uh, uh, you know, the original PlayStation version. You can download it on older PlayStation systems like the Vita or the PS3. You can uh, buy the, it, you know, buy it in the new collection. Uh, you know, there, there's quite a few different ways to get a hold of it now. So it's, it's you know, pretty easy to, to snag. And especially if you can get it on sale, uh, you know, uh, if the, the game ever does reduce in price, absolutely track this down. Well, that's, uh, that's going to wrap up Symphony of the Night. We will jump into our Retro Relapse up next. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. I know we, we said that we were done with Symphony of the Night, but I just have to say, that beginning to Symphony of the Night, the whole, the whole dialogue between Richter and, uh, and Dracula... I think it could have gone a different way. Yeah. So let me just let, let me. Let, I propose let's you and I redo it. Okay, you be Richter and I'll be Dracula. Okay. okay. So just start off as as it does, and I will I will insert the change that I think should have happened. Die, monster! Shut up and jam. <laughs> yes. Barclays, <laughs> shut up and jam. For the Sega Genesis slash Super NES is what we played it on, was released in 1993, and was uh, developed by Accolade for Sega Genesis, and for uh, for the SNES it was another company I think, but uh, I think it was just Accolade. Yeah, that looks right. Did you uh, did you enjoy playing this game? I have a uh, a secret confession to make. Yeah. Uh, I've played this game before. Oh yeah. Years ago, I like when I was a kid, my neighbors across the street uh, were they were like friends of the family of ours, and the eldest son of that family, uh, who's goes by the name Harvey, uh, was working for an insurance company. Uh, not necessarily like selling insurance, but he was a part of like one of the companies that would come into a house that maybe had like fire damage, flooding, whatever would clean it out for the insurance or whatever. And yeah, things like that. One day he came up to me with a box of Sega Genesis games. And he was like, <laughs> Hey, he's like, these were in a fire. He's like, I don't even know if they work. I don't think any of them will. He's like, there's some real crap in here. He's like, but by all means, it's yours. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> this you as well in the as eyes and said, shut up and jam. <laughs> So I jumped like 10 feet into the air and slam dunked Barkley shut up and jam into the Sega Genesis. <laughs> Charles came out, we high-fived, and it was the best day of my life. Nice. I'm lying. Most of the box was games like the Berenstain Bears and Barney's Hide and Seek and a bunch of stupid stuff. But one of them was Barkley shut up and jam. And uh, I, it, it's a, it's a, Poor man's NBA Jam. Yeah. It's uh, not as good. But it has one thing that NBA Jam, after the arcade version, does not have. Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley, <laughs> who's my favorite player of all time. <laughs> I, never that in, I never got that in debate about basketball to, to have a favorite player. Xander, did you know that when he retired, he had achieved – 20,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 4,000 assists? Nope. Do you know why he had only 4,000 assists and 20,000 points? Because that was the max at the time. No, because he didn't need anyone's help to score that much. (laughs) He was on the Dream Team in 92 and 96, both years getting gold medals. Wow. The Olympics, he's so cool. (laughs) Love him. Wow. I didn't know yeah. you had such a such a, a deep, profound love for Charles Barkley. I don't know why. I well, I kind of know why. Uh I'm a giant nerd and I faded out of sports into the, you know, er, like you know, early to mid-90s. Uh, but while I was into sports to a certain degree, uh back then, uh yeah, basketball uh was uh uh 
not a big part of my life by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, uh, Charles Barkley, who is also, uh, uh, you know, favorite, uh, uh, you know, part of uh, my childhood to all our listeners, he was also Uncle Billy's favorite player. Oh, yeah? He was indeed, which is likely where I got the appreciation for him. Uh, but yeah, uh, I really enjoyed Charles Barkley, and uh, uh, so I have a very fond spot in my heart for this game, but it's not that great. <laughs> I had always seen the cover, and I thought, that's a funny name. And of course, you know, we've always joked with the, the title, Shut Up and Jam. Um, but this was my first time playing it, and uh, I was not very good. I really, really enjoy NBA Jam. I've brought up on the show before that it's probably one of the best sports games ever made. Mm -hmm. This game really tries to emulate that. Uh, It's like a street ball version of NBA Jam. But the controls are just so clunky. The graphics aren't quite as, as, you know, fun as like the other. Yeah, all in all, it's it's not that great. I am... I couldn't figure out how to steal. So the entire game for me was like, we go this way and we score. We go this way and they score. And and that was the entire game back and forth. And occasionally someone would miss a shot and maybe you got up. Um, I did win my game from a score of uh, 45 to 42, only because I panicked in the last three seconds and I threw the ball to Charles Barkley and he led me to victory. <laughs> right it's what he does just like he did for the phoenix suns yes i uh, um, i thought that one of the buttons was the was the button to steal and i just i would hit it next to a player and i would fall down so i don't know what i was doing wrong huh that's kind of weird uh, the other weird really weird thing is that the the screen would shift back and forth of course for the different sides of the court but it couldn't always keep up with the ball yeah, it's technically this game is not very impressive. Uh, the only thing it has going for it is Charles Barkley, and that's all, really. And the title. Right. The Shut Up and Jam is an amazing title. There was uh, a Shut Up and Jam 2 that was released exclusively for the Genesis in 1995. I never played that one. Never never got a chance to play that one. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it in used game stores, even. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I think the the real question here is what was someone saying that Barkley had to say? Shut up and jam. Uh, anything. I would argue that you <laughs> could say that in any context, and it will always make sense. And uh, I I put forth this argument to to all our listeners: if someone's talking and you feel like they need to be jamming, tell them to shut up and jam. Fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's shut up and, and jam our scores down. No, that was an awful segue. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> what do you give this on the 8-bit scale? Man, uh, I, I have two scores. I have an objective score and I have uh, a subjective score. Well, why don't you shut up and jam? Eight out of eight. Eight out of eight. <laughs> no, objectively, it is, uh, uh, it is likely like a four out of eight tops probably a three out of eight it is not that great of a game yeah i would give it a three out of eight if for nothing else other than the uh the title and the interesting names of the players oh i uh, there's also no one from detroit in this game i noticed oh that's, that's kind of crappy yeah the uh i i think one of the most interesting you know kind of pieces of trivia uh to this though is Barkley was in NBA Jam on the arcades. And I think maybe the first NBA Jam, but not the tournament edition. Uh, Michael Jordan wasn't in any of them because Michael Jordan had the rights to use his own likeness and stuff. It's what he won in his contract. And basically after NBA Jam, uh, and that might not have been the impetus for the event, but I, I believe it was. All these other players were like, why should I not get anything out of this? I should have my own game like Jordan and Bird do. Right. And so you have uh, things like Barkley shut up and jam. Barkley was no longer in NBA Jam because they didn't want to, you know, try to pay him extra on top of licensing out everything else. And that's why we get the Googs. 
It is, yep. That's why you have Gugliotta in uh, 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 NBA Jam. Because Lord knows he could not win his own likeness. Nobody would buy a Gugliotta video game. <laughs> that it's just not going to happen. Except for maybe him. you and Andy. <laughs> Love him. Great player. But no, he doesn't deserve his own game. Fair enough. Let's, uh, let's, we're, we're running a little long. So why don't we just uh, jump right into the stage theme bracket? Yeah. Um, this week we have Super Mario Brothers 2 overworld theme composed by someone, someone, some people may have heard of. You want to fill a little, in? uh, little somebody named Kochi Kondo. No big deal. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this now makes three Koji Kondo songs in a row. With Super Mario Brother, Super Mario World, uh, the last episode, and Gerudo Valley, and now we've got Subcon, if you will. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, the the land of Subcon from Koji Kondo. Yeah, uh, I I mean, this is a stage theme bracket. It's not all that surprising that Koji Kondo is going to clean house here and there. You're not wrong. But uh, so here we will take a listen to Overworld from Super Mario Brothers Two. This is a great song. It's so fun. It's bouncy. It, it fits the game. It is a phenomenal song. Mm-hmm. And uh, losing to this song this week is uh, Super Bomberman Two Stage One, composed by Yasuhiko Fukuda. This is uh, one. Of, this is a song that constantly gets stuck in my head. Um, it's just a. It's just a favorite of mine. So uh, we're gonna listen to how badly it's going to be beaten, but hopefully put up a fight to <laughs> Overworld from Super Mario Brothers Two. I love how every time you think the song's gonna stop it just keeps going and changes i'll tell you this sander if mario brothers 2 you know how do i put this if bomberman 2 loses it won't be because it just outright deserved to lose that is an awesome song thank you uh that is very fun <laughs> it's bouncy it's kind of funky it's got you know a little bit of like that you know groove going on and yeah it's an awesome song it's 
it's hard to beat the catchiness of like Kochi Kondo's classics, of course. But the composer here did an awesome job making a game that's kind of fun and, you know, or a song for the game uh, that's really fun and upbeat. And like you said, it's like always evolving. Like it's, it's always changing up on you. And yeah, that's, that's exciting. I, I hope all our listeners give this one a fair shake because uh, I don't think either one deserves to win. I think that uh, uh, it, it, should be a, it should be an even match. I think so. But uh, I think nostalgia is going to kick this one right in the pants. <laughs> Probably. I, we've seen that happen before, but not always. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but Sander, when it uh, comes to voting, all of our listeners uh, can go ahead and jump on our Facebook page and vote there every week, as well as our Twitter account. Uh, we also have our Discord. If you go to GameZillaMedia.com, you can get the link to that. Join our Discord every week. We have to vote there. And for all our patrons, for as little as $1 a month, you can go ahead and join our Patreon at uh, Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia. And uh, you get access to the vote there. Uh, so there's the fourth and final vote, but uh, Patreon has a bunch of other perks. Uh, you get all of the bonus content that Legend of Retro offers, uh, like our monthly Game Shark uh, special. And to top it off, you also get all the bonus content and features from all of the shows on the GameZilla Media Network. Mm-hmm. So you get uh, the post-credit scene from Last Action Podcast. You get Muster Bus from GameZilla. You get behind the new uh, behind the DM screen from News and Dragon. Noiseland Arcade has Smart Line. And that's everything. Uh, yeah, Game Shark from us. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's everything. That's uh, everything. Yeah, it's uh, uh, a ton of stuff. And, you know, as far as that goes, you know, you get all of the previous content we've did, we've done. Uh, so, by all means, check that out. Uh, there's a ton of content to get through. At this point, hours upon hours upon hours upon mm-hmm. hours. And you get it for just five bucks. Yeah, all the bonus content uh, on the uh, Patreon is fi- uh, at the $5 tier. And then you get, you know, cool little features uh, for the $1 tier, of course, like VIP room in our Discord and stuff like that. Speaking of Discord, I did want to jump out and uh, and shout out uh, one of our users in the Discord. KMS19 has put together a Legend of Retro bingo, if you, if you want to play along there. It's a bunch of different squares or things that we do, hopefully... Uh, some of you won this time. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was a fun thing that popped up in the Discord. We love getting all of your interaction and everything in there. Please, by all means, let us know in our Discord or, or anywhere if there's anything you love about the show, anything you want to see change. If we got anything wrong, which I'm sure we did on this episode, let us know. Uh, we want to we, we want to constantly get better. So the, the only way we can uh, do that is if you call us out on being idiots. You said that with plural. I, I mean, chops. Not That's- you. That's better. <laughs> Calling out three out of the four of us for being idiots. That's the way I like it. Well, thanks for uh, for tuning in. Um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Jump on the Discord and let us know if we if uh, I did a terrible job, and uh, or just jump on the Discord and just remind us how great Greg is. Indeed. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Legend of Retro. Thanks to all for listening, and we will catch you next time when the legend continues.